Hello and welcome to the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast. My name is Shmuel Tenenhaus, and this is my podcast, and that's why I call it the Shmuel Tenenhaus podcast. We have a very busy show for you today. By the way, my friend asked me, who is we, since you're all by yourself and you just have a microphone and a laptop? And uh, my answer to him was, it is myself and my Esrkechasenefesh, and that is the we. So, First of all, the reason why there was no podcast last week is because obviously a, an iguana attacked my laptop, which is a very common thing. And also, if you live in South Florida, you get to use iguana as an excuse for a lot of things that happen. Actually, the woman, Jessica, who was on our podcast uh, the last episode, we are actually hiring her for our home because when you live in Florida, having a professional deal with your iguanas is as critical as your... FPNL, like your Florida Power and Light, and your water. Like you'll hear people in Shoal saying, Who do you use for, as your insurance broker? Who do you use as your iguana catcher? It's just part of the lexicon down here. So I do know that we are going now through a recession and inflation. I have some tips, or not some tips, uh, some, some good news later on. But just want to say is that although it's a very serious time and people are very financially stressed, there is one thing that I am enjoying. Uh, that I get to do during this financial time. And that is, whenever I have friends now or family members who go on a vacation, uh, what I do now is I call them up and they answer on their vacation because they think it's something important. And I ask them, are you on vacation right now? And they say, yes. And I say, you know, there's a recession and massive inflation going on. And I'm at home right now with my family working my tail off just to make ends meet and you're on a vacation like that's that's what that's what you're doing now life is so tough now they uh, my friends and family uh, they do not appreciate these type of calls which incentivizes me even more to do that the best thing also to do is you want to call them early in the morning like 5 a.m or 6 a.m so that you can rain on their vacation just a little bit and you get that guilt started first thing in the morning so next very piece of uh, uh, very important piece of information I must share is I had a t-shirt. Oh, by the way, I've gotten compliments for talking much faster. So glad that everybody's enjoying that. So I had a t-shirt that was an ode to Seattle. It was given to me from a friend, and the t-shirt said, four words, rain, salmon, coffee, weed. And if you saw me walking around wearing it, that makes a lot of sense because I basically would wear that shirt almost every day. Now, a couple weeks ago, I dumped that shirt in the garbage. Now, was it because there was a hole in the shirt that I may have burnt with a funny-smelling cigarette? It's possible, but that's not why I threw it out. I threw it out for a whole different reason. The idea is that I'm an adult now, and we have more kids, and I have to just be mature. And you have a T-shirt that says, Rain, Salmon, Coffee, Weed, and you're walking around, and you're sending the wrong message. So case in point, I dropped my kids off at school. The kids at my children's school know how to read. Do I need my friend's kids and my friend's kids' parents to know that me, Shmuel Tenenhaus, I am a coffee addict? They, they need to know that I love to drink coffee or sometimes I get together late with my friends at night to put up a fresh uh, pot of coffee? Absolutely not. The next thing, I'm putting my kids to bed at, at night. Do Do... My kids need to know that I relish in the fact that I have an odor of salmon being emitted from my body. That It's completely not necessary. 
I walk into shul. The people in shul need to know that I have a proclivity to, you know, when I'm feeling down or I need some sort of escape, do they need to know that, you know, I turn to coffee or, or to salmon? No, it's, it's, none of an, it's none of anybody's business that I have this uh, codependency or just a dependency on my co, which is uh, the, the omegas that exist in salmon. And finally, with rain, you walk around with a t-shirt that says rain, and you basically promote the fact that you're rain. Like, a, a non-Jewish person can see this and say, oh, the Jews, they not only control the banks and Hollywood, but now they're also controlling the rain. And so I just felt that uh, this t-shirt was not consistent with my values, and uh, I dumped it in the garbage ceremoniously. Now, if I can get another t-shirt that just had weed, I'd just walk around with it, no problem. I want to tell you a problem, because somebody had asked me a question about edibles, like what I think about edibles. And what I want to tell you, the number one problem with edibles uh, is that they are edible. And my point is, is that you can't mix really two vices, because Forget about the THC that might be in the edible. The fact is that who can stop themselves by eating just one cookie or one small piece of brownie? Everybody goes for a second piece or a third piece. So it's it's basically a drug within a drug. And so that's just why I don't advise it because it's just too powerful of a temptation to, to stop because once you pop, you can't stop. And nobody wants that to happen. So it would be like somebody came up with an idea of to put cocaine in oxygen and said, here's some oxygen cocaine. Like, it's just a, a life necessity. And then there's also cocaine in it. So people are like, give me some more of that oxygen. It, the whole thing doesn't make any sense. And I wanted to share a story just in terms of living in Seattle, because I mentioned Seattle before. A friend of mine has a dog. That dog consumed edibles that was laying around in his house. So he takes the dog to the emergency vet, vet service, and I guess the ER for pets. And when he comes in and tells them that the dog consumed an edible, not only did they not panic, they actually had a printed out sheet of paper that said what to do when your dog eats an edible, which means that obviously it is such a commonplace problem that they had basically that information on speed dial. This is not a joke. This actually happened to a friend. Now, I do know with the Roe versus Wade and the abortion discussion, there is a lot of concern uh, and understandably so, that the Supreme Court will roll back the federal mandate on gay marriage. I am not a politician. I do, though, have something to say about this matter. And what I think the Supreme Court ought to do is they ought to abol abolish straight marriage. So, again, I don't have any comment on gay marriage, but I do think that straight marriage is a failed institution, um, you know, 50% of first marriages uh, end up in a divorce, and the, the other ones that hang around, they walk around all day saying, you know, if I didn't have kids, you know, you know what I do if I didn't have kids? So uh, what's the point? And I do think that uh, if, if a, a, a politician was brave enough to say, hey, you know, this is my party, this is my platform, and I'm running to abolish straight marriage, I think they'd get a lot of votes from people. So the other thing, as I mentioned earlier about recession and inflation, and the fact that people are nervous. And I want to tell you, there's nothing to be nervous about because as true Americans, we are going to spend our way out of this recession. Nobody who I know is cutting back on their spending, kind of like it was when COVID first started. People thought the economy was going to go into the tank and people just spent more and more money. And 
we're, we're very resilient and we shop until we drop. And I want to say that one thing that people should always keep in mind is I believe from inside sources is my belief inside of me, but also from people high up there that uh, Biden is working on a stimulus package to stop inflation. So it'll be a $10 trillion stimulus uh, inflation bill. Uh, the government will create $10 trillion and send it out to everybody because things are so expensive right now. But if the government will send out more money to everybody and there'll be more free money flying around, that is sure to curb inflation because more money equals more people can buy more stuff. I want to say something a little alarming uh, from the technology standpoint is it seems to me that Netflix may have been hacked. I don't know if it was North Korea. I'm just putting it out there. How do I know? Because the other evening, my wife and I watched a full movie on Netflix, which is kind of a miracle for somebody my age and also for a married couple. They can take a movie and, and divide it into 20 parts, watch five minutes every night. That would work really well for people who are as tired or have the attention span like I do. But the point is, I watched this movie called Hustles with Adam Sandler. And I must say, it was a great movie. And that is my point. Uh, that has no place on Netflix. Uh, Netflix is a streaming service with mediocre content at best. And uh, their security people, their chief information officer, chief technology officer may want to figure out how a good movie with a good actor and all around high Rotten Tomatoes rating made it onto Netflix. I'm, I'm very suspicious about what's going on. We do have, uh, I wanted to thank Meta for sponsoring our podcast a couple weeks ago. Uh, this week's sponsor for our podcast is the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. So uh, here's a message. And by the way, I'm not condoning anything of that government, but my bills do have to be paid. So uh, here is the ad. I'll read it to you. Uh, thank you, everybody, Jewish and non-Jewish, who listens to the Shmuel Tenenos podcast. We in China, although we do have strict laws around speech, we do find Shmuel's, uh, the Shmuel Tenhouse podcast very funny and enlightening, and it's where we get most of our information about the United States. Anyways, the point of our sponsorship is we want to tell you about the CCP-sponsored app called TikTok. We want all the Americans and everybody in the world using it because it is a great app. It'll spend, it'll take uh, hours of your day that you will be consumed on our app, and that will give China more dominance uh, in the economy. The other thing is, is that we want you to know that if you feel lonely sometimes, and you always want somebody looking over your shoulder, if you use TikTok, you will not be lonely. We have a team of people analyzing everything that you're doing, and uh, we're, we'll be looking over your shoulder. It's important for us to, if you also can enable your location services so we know everywhere that you go. Uh, and finally, we want to say that we are not impressed with Meta's attempt to copy or Instagram to copy TikTok. TikTok. Sorry, I said TikTok. Anyways, <clears throat> sorry I had to do it, everybody. But again, uh, I do have a family and we have diapers and we have a lot of expenses. And so, yes, I'm even taking money these days from the CCP. So the next thing I want to know is uh, 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 a raging debate in my head. And that is, especially as we talk about recession and cost of everything going up, is it better to know how much your credit card bill is right now, or is it better just not to know? And you'll just deal with it when you log into your account. And am I the only person 
who uh, feelings of trepidation uh, go through their bodies when they log on to find out what their balance is. And I think it's 4.46 in the afternoon. Do you know what your credit card balance is right now? Because I don't. And I think I'm better off for not knowing. And again, we're going to spend our way right out of this recession. I want to share a quick story about chinuch, like the education of children, and uh, you know, a story that happened to me. So I've reconnected with a friend that I went to school with, and we go jogging because jogging is, is free. There's no cost to go running in the street yet. And so he came to my house, and he is not from, uh, to, my, to my knowledge. And the other day, he brought over two mangoes as a baby, as a baby gift, which is great because we can consume it. Nobody's going to send expect a thank you card for something that grows in their own garden. We had two babies, one mango for each of the babies. And I was supposed to feed, I fed one to my kids and I had one for myself. Now, my, my child, my son asked me, hey, uh, who brought the mangoes? I said, my friend, what his name is. And he said, oh, is that the guy that comes out here to our house? Yeah, does he not have a yarmulke? And I said, and this is where the important Jewish education comes. I said, yes, he does not have a yarmulke, but you should know he brought us two mangoes. And that's really what's important. Because in the morning, I had learned with a friend of mine, a chavrusa and yeshiva, and I came and I learned chassidus with him. Now he has a yarmulke, he has a hat, he has a jacket, he has tzitzis, but he didn't bring me any mangoes. He brought me nothing. In fact, I gave him a check. Now, my other friend, he doesn't wear a yarmulke, but he brought us two mangoes. So that's what I told my son. Like, don't focus on the surface stuff, like a yarmulke sits this religious observance. Who is bringing you the mango? And is the mango fresh? Th- that is how we have to live our life. H- how we could benefit selfishly, this is, that is above all of what we have to take. The other thing I want to talk about is quickly about, uh, we talked about the food train. I do think it would be very practical for the people, for the Food Train Corporation, to have a systemic process whereby a family can be weaned off the food train. We were ejected from the food train because the time ran up for the free food that we were eating that everybody was preparing. Now, we went from 60 to zero. We had all this stuff being brought over and then nothing one day. So my suggestion is that's too painful of a process for any human being to go through. So what we have to do is I suggest that we wean people off of the food train. So first you get a lot of food. And then as the days go by, like one night they bring you just a soup. The next night they just bring you empty Tupperware. The next night they just bring you chicken bones from the chicken they were eating in their house. Like this, somebody shows up, you kind of get the idea that they don't want you anymore. But again, it's not as painful because you're getting something. Like I said, it could be a little soup. Maybe some chicken bones, there's marrow in the bones, or empty Tupperware. Finally, we are at our final topic. Before I forget, we have a tremendous guest on the podcast. I should have mentioned this in the beginning. But my friend and fellow Shul Davener, Schneer Bornstein, is the owner of Bubby's Fish and Chips here in North Miami. And Schneer was gracious enough though he works in the restaurant industry, to give me some of his time where we explore many topics such as what it's like to own a fish restaurant during the nine days, what it's like to own a kosher restaurant when swarms of people come down for yeshiva week, and many, many questions. I also was curious to understand if he has a no-shirt, no-shoes policy uh, in in his store. So uh, stay tuned for my interview with Schneer Bornstein. Oh, I should also... uh, mentioned that 
there is a special promotion for Schmoltenau's podcast listeners together with Bobby's Fish and Chips exclusively for the nine days, which starts next, next week, which leads me to my final topic of this rant. And that is, I want to talk about a very uh, dark secret within our community. And people will c- accuse me of airing dirty laundry, especially when you know what the topic that I'm about to get to is. But I do think that this is a safe zone and we can talk about it, not from a place of of shame, but at a, a place of pride. So we are now in the three weeks. We just had the fast of the 17th of Tammuz and we are smack about a week and a half before the fast of Tisha B'Av, the 9th of Av. Now, the other day I texted a friend, asked him how his fast was going because my fast was eh. And he said, going great because he had a caffeine suppository. Now, if you're not aware, caffeine suppositories are all the rage in the community. Because again, when the rabbis and when God established fast days, one thing they were for sure counting on is the Jewish people being clever enough to come up with a suppository so it's not technically eating, but it can get it to our body and give us the chemical caffeine that we so crave. Another thing that we have to uh, mention straight up is that if you are a from person, more than likely you are a caffeine addict. And it's not because you chose to be a caffeine addict. It's basically your lifestyle has made you into a caffeine uh, addict. Why? It's because uh, if you're fortunate you have, and you have a family, you have a lot of kids. So you're, you're going to sleep late. You're waking up in the middle of the night. So you need coffee to function the next morning. Now, uh, if you have a you know, shoeless night, you want to stay up all night. And then you got to wake up early for minion. You got to go to this year. You got to go to that year. You're running around, kids going to camp. Basically, caffeine is a pillar within our community. So comes to fast day, it's very difficult to, to exist without it. Caffeine, I would say, is almost as big as a staple in a Jewish home as ketchup. Because again, ketchup is absolutely required. Heinz, if possible, if you want to use one of the kosher brands that have a cello number in the back, you can use that. You can use that too. The reason why ketchup is so crucial is because, again, if you have French fries, if you have fish sticks, uh, macaroni, this is again a, a basic, a basic need within a from home. A from home has a mezuzah, and then we'll uh, <coughs> we'll have a we'll have a bottle of ketchup. Sometimes even a ketchup will come before the mezuzah because you only have to be living in a house like 30 days before you put the mezuzah, but the ketchup, right when the family moves in, they need the ketchup right away. So caffeine and ketchup kind of there. But now on a fast day, you need the caffeine. So a couple things that I had to say on this topic. So the first thing is uh, that I want to say about caffeine suppositories is personally... I do it a little differently, and that is because as much as I like coffee, my coffee is iced coffee. So what I do is I take a suppository, and I either put a cube of ice or some crushed ice together with a suppository that gives me my, my, my iced coffee. The other thing is, is that you have people in the communities who, who are feinschmeckers, which, by the way, feinschmecker has to be one of my favorite Yiddish words, almost as compelling as the word schmendrick. Schmendrick and feinschmecker together uh, an amazing team. So if you're a feinschmecker within community, uh, you don't have to take a regular caffeine suppository. They actually, you can get a French vanilla flavor or you can get hazelnut. Because again, if you're going to use a suppository, you want to make sure that you're just not drinking like the regular stuff that everybody else. Now, another thing is I have a friend of mine where he, for whatever reason, will never drink black coffee. He needs milk. So what he does is he has a 
like a dairy suppository, or he will actually take uh, a lactate and put that together with his caffeine suppository. Now, I do have a confession to make this past Yom Kippur. I was the proud user of a caffeine suppository. I'm here to share my experience with you. So the first thing is that these stuff get put in the freezer because I guess they can melt, especially when it's really hot outside. Now, I do say I, 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 I had a suppository. I don't know the right word. Inject is, is a little strong. Penetrate is even a, a stronger term. So let's say I penetrated myself with a caffeine suppository on Yom Kippur afternoon. And uh, I will say that, first of all, <clears throat> it was very cold, and uh, I did feel violated for the first 20 minutes, but mincha time, I was dancing around. So when, when, when and, and I was like, yeah, this is going to be good. I'll be able to cruise, no problem. And the, the amazing thing is, is that you will notice in a shul, like people are kind of dying towards the end of a fast, but all of a sudden you'll see people start of dancing during the ila, and you're like, where do they get the energy now you know the secret of where they got this energy. Now, a friend of mine, he took a caffeine suppository, and I saw him conked out on the table. I'm like, dude, what happened? Turns out that he took a decaf suppository. So he didn't get any of the benefits, which, again, I don't understand why they would make a decaf suppository. Which sick person would need a suppository for something that has no, no effect? I don't understand it. Now... Uh, what I hear that some companies are working on is uh, Rugelach suppository. So it's actually like Rugelach in a suppository. They have cinnamon or chocolate. And then again, if you're starting to get hungry, right, you're having your coffee, you can also get one of the Rugelach as well. And then I do have a lucky question is perhaps maybe the same technology or the coding that you can do with it, you can do it also around a key for Shabbos. So let's say if you don't have a bendel or there's no Erev and you need to carry you just have a key suppository, and then you can go for Shosh Rabbit or Shosh Again, you have to speak to your local rabbi. Now, I do want to say that after my experience of uh, the suppository, the caffeine suppository I took this past Yom Kippur, I am actually, again, I was skeptical at first until, again, I was dancing around Mincha time. But what I what I was thinking, or, you know, is I'm, I'm actually mulling a full transition over to suppositories, like instead of drinking them, because uh, you can go into Starbucks and get a coffee that will burn the roof off of your mouth, and it's really not good. And then you drink it, and you drive, and then about two minutes later, you're driving at full speed because you're trying to find the bathroom. But if you have the suppository, you have no burnt mouth, you don't have to walk into a Starbucks, you just have a couple in your glove compartment, and you know, you wake up late, you just hop in your car, you do a suppository, and you're good to go. So that's all my ranting and raving. I hope you're appreciating the faster speed. I will catch you next, next week. Please enjoy the interview. Let's do this. This meeting is being recorded. Okay. I have the esteemed honor to do a Zoom interview with my friend, Schneer Bornstein. Schneer, say hi. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited to be with the famous rap. Can I call you Rabbi Tenenhaus? Call me anything you want. I, I'm so honored to be on here. I've been like, uh, I've been listening to your podcast. They're so 
uh, entertaining. They're joyful to listen to. They put yeah, a smile yeah. on their face. I'm sure. I'm sure. So this interview is about you, though. So um, first of all, what's your full name? Or Schneer, your name? Schneer, Schneer Bornstein. Okay. But you're and a Kayan, too, right? I am a Kayan, yes. That is true. Do you, demand, do you demand respect wherever you go, or you just get it naturally? Well, funny story. There's uh, somebody in my community in North Miami Beach where I used to live, where he I used to eat by his house Shabbos a lot, and he would obviously kid with me, but with a serious tone where he would say, oh, how do I know you're a Kayan? And I would always take it very personally. I would be like, listen, please, I need you to admit that I'm a Kayan. Like, you have to. And it would, till this day, I have a thing with him that, his name is Srilly. I'm like, Srilly, you have to say I'm a Kayan. Like, you have to. But okay. yes, I'm very, I'm very proud of it. Okay. Does that Srilly live on the corner of a street? Yes. Okay, I think I know what <laughs> I'm talking about. Do we say his name or... No, no, no need. Okay. okay. So you own and operate a kosher restaurant here in South Florida. Yes. Okay. What is the name of that restaurant? It's called Bubby's Fish and Chips. Okay. Excellent. Where in North Miami is it? Uh, it the address is 1129 Northeast 163rd Street. So it, the front of the store faces the main 163rd Street causeway that goes east to west. That's a very busy street. Uh, and we're right off 12th Avenue. So we're one plaza in from the main street. We're on the corner of 12th Avenue. Um, it's very difficult to miss us, uh, but th there is a big parking lot in the back, which some people okay. don't uh, don't always see. So, When did you open the restaurant? God willing, we're about three years now. Okay, wow. So before COVID, Yes, we, I, I believe uh, off the top of my head, we signed our lease, which is when I consider starting uh, in the summer of 2019. So it's about three years now for Hashem. Okay. And what was the motivation? Like, how did you come to the realizations? Like, I, Schneer, Hakkain, Bornstein want to open up a fish and chips restaurant. With such a title like that. Uh, <laughs> um, so I, I've, I've dabbled in some restaurants in my in my past. Uh, I but I I think the reason why I, I zoned in when you on, say dabbled, do you mean you've ordered from them on Uber Eats or? <laughs> well, no, I would say more. I've uh, owned and operated places, but uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, Uber Eats. I like that. Um, the truth is, Uber Eats has obviously become such a phenomenon these days. You know, it wasn't like that five ten years ago. Um, I, but as far as like fish and chips, uh, I, it's something, it's an idea that I've had, uh, that I've had, that I've, I've heard from close friends that I spoke to that, you know, was, uh, it's sort of something different. You know, there's, uh, you know, plenty of, uh, shawarma places, plenty of, uh, you know, bagel places, uh, plenty of pizza places, you know, plenty of high-end dining places, plenty of Chinese, you know, it was something I wanted to be unique and different, um, and I felt that uh, something that is is unique, uh, and uh, I kind of just you know I ran with it, and I finally had the opportunity, the right place, the right venue, and uh, and Baruch Hashem, with Hashem's help, we've been uh, going on now three years. Amazing! How helpful has it been to your business that COVID happened and lots more Jews moved to South Florida? It's been very helpful. Um, it's, I mean, obviously with every business you have ups and downs. I mean, with COVID obviously it was, it was very tough early on. I mean, it was just sort of went from high 
like down, you know, because we were still less than a year open. And then, you know, without having the ability to really establish yourself and really take off, boom, this thing comes that's changed, transformed the world. Um, obviously, we had to, you know, close and we had very little business for a while. But um, yeah, there was obviously a period where uh, being in Florida was very helpful, you know, because a lot of people, like you said, moved there. Uh, it definitely it's it's different. Like I see now, uh, there's just so many more people here versus, let's say, in 2008, when there was, some, you know, really bad real estate prices, Florida was still like a very vacation to, uh, vacation area. And now, you know, you have so many people that actually live here. So they have that necessity to eat, you know, so there's just so much more of a population. So I definitely see a big difference. I mean, Baruch Hashem, also there's many places that are opening up to fulfill a demand. So definitely uh, the fact that people moved here and Florida being an open state has been... Uh, you know, definitely a big factor. Got it. Now, I'm curious, what percentage of your business, you don't have to get into n numbers, I'm curious more percentage-wise, what percentage is people sitting in versus delivery? It's, uh, it's, it's funny you mention it. It could be very sporadic because you could have some days where it's lighter on the dine-in and then just insane with deliveries um, or vice versa. It's it's just it's never set in stone. Uh, we have you know Baruch Hashem after being open a number of years. It's you know you kind of look at things over the year or over the season, but uh, it's um, I, honestly I, I would like to say probably more dining. Um, but there's definitely some days where you know Uber can take off uh, like Uber or our, our website. We offer delivery on our website can take off, but I would say probably more dining. Okay. Would you say 60-40 because you gave a very political answer without getting to the... Listen, I'm, to the I'm speaking to the famous Rabbi Tenen House. I, I, I have to give a political answer. The, okay. um, it's, uh, yeah, I would say about 60-40, yeah, because it's, it's sort of like it's so close that, uh, you know, it's kind of like a, what do they call that ride, you know, that ride in the park you know, where you put your seesaw. kids on? And, yeah. Seesaw. So, so it's like a seesaw, you know? Absolutely. You, uh, a seesaw is a ride that one, on the one hand, you can ride it with your kids, but on the other hand, if you do too many strong bumps and jumps, you can also lose the ability oh, wow. to have kids for, for a while. <laughs> you have to be very oh, careful. Yeah. I have, so, I have to be uh, very careful there. So I'm curious, from your, your, your order, your delivery orders, what's the strangest order or instructions you ever got? Ooh. I'm sure there's got to be some strange ones. Uh, wow, I have to think. I mean, we get it's it's crazy. And please don't it's, include any of my parents' orders, please. It's just too oh, personal. Oh, I have to. No, now that yeah. you mentioned it. <laughs> so we have actually, a, a, if I I have to now that you mentioned it, because I right when you asked the question, I was thinking to myself, you know, like I was thinking more recently, you know, and that a lot of times I think on Uber or even on our website, because those are our two pri primary delivery options, Uber or our website. I mean, there's some others, but those are 90% of our, our delivery business. You know, you always have people writing their notes, please add this, please add that, you know, things that, you know, maybe cost money that they kind of want to just try to ask for it, you know. Like what? Um, like what? I'm so curious because I want to try it next time. <laughs> well, you have, sometimes it's, you know, it's when, when we're busy, I kind of just, you know, we got to just continue the operations, but sometimes when it's not so busy and people like ask for something, for example, uh, 
we have we do a lot of breakfast. Breakfast is like a, even though we're efficient chips, we have a very uh, we've built up a good name with our breakfast. We have a really good breakfast deal. We serve it even for catering often with eggs and home fries. Best home fries in South Florida, guaranteed. The, fr- uh, the fries are very good. I have to I have to admit that. Like like the men's warehouse, I guarantee it. Yeah. Um, so like, so a lot of, we don't use any dairy in our, in our, inside our kitchen. So we have like a unique setup where I try to try to keep most things as part of as possible, quote unquote, even though we also make pizza, but that's outside the kitchen. So, uh, just to nip on, on, on the subject you mentioned. So we don't put cheese in our eggs. So a lot of times people, you know, they want, they're especially tourists, they want to have cheese in their eggs. So a very common thing we get is, People order on Uber Eats, uh, uh, like a breakfast or a couple breakfasts, and they write, please add cheese. And obviously, we all know, you know, kosher with halal Yisrael, so the cheese is, you know, it's more expensive than a typical place. Um, and if we offered it, we would charge more for it. So a lot of times people ask for it, and we try to call the customer and let them know. We don't, you know, it's not an option there. We, we would give an option or it would be an upcharge. So that's a very, very common thing. But now that you mention it, we have our, I would say our number one Uber Eats customer is a gentleman that says Rabbi T. Now, oh, very nice. who is this mysterious Rabbi T I speak of? His name is, well, we'll get to his name in a second. So he is our top, I would say one of our top Uber Eats orders. He always leaves notes on his orders and they are so funny. They crack me up. I can... You know, I have the ability on my phone, even if I'm not at the business, to see Uber Eats orders. I have an app that I can monitor the orders. I see see things when I'm not busy, when uh, if I'm not busy. And um, I remember one time, it was probably one of the funniest times where uh, this infamous Rabbi T uh, ordered and he, you know, wanted like, let's say more salad. I, I don't remember exactly. I think it was more salad or, or French fries instead of the home fries. And it was very unique in his wording of like please no chips and then he wrote a comment that was forever embedded in my mind he wrote no chips no tips and i like i remember like he became like the the like he had these one lines that were really like great like i would sit there laughing (laughs) here you have a guy ordering on uber and he says no chips no tips <laughs> like can you imagine you're, you're you're a worker you see an order it says no chips no tips <laughs> you know so is that i'm curious when your website does delivery who does yeah. who and not through uber uber who does the delivery then so it's it's funny you ask that it's actually uh we have a we contracted a company um, you know, we may amend that and do something ourselves, but it's basically a third-party company that embeds itself on our website. Uh, but then once they order it, it pulls from a pool of Grubhub, Uber Eats, or DoorDash, Postmates, like one of the drivers that's close by. You know, it's, it, it works a little differently than Uber Eats. Um, but uh, it's sometimes, I mean, it's, it's, it's still of a new program, so I'm still experimenting it because... At times, it, 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 it's supposed to cost people less than Uber Eats. And, it, and the advantage is we can retain customer data. See, the thing with Uber Eats is that uh, once the customer orders and the order is delivered, we don't have really a way of contacting them unless they, well, even if they, they can give us a review, but even then we don't have their information, like address, uh, email, phone number. With this, with our website, we do have it. So there's pros and cons, but it's still it's a new it's a new uh, it's a new thing on the market. A lot of businesses are doing it. Uh, there's a lot of 
these small businesses that are doing it's sort of like a, a third party that contracts with with uber yes. and my guess is it's probably cheaper for the customer and way cheaper for you too uh i'm still on the fence about that it's supposed to okay. be uh, uh we'll see it's uh, it's still it's a new it's a new thing but it enables me to deal more directly with customers which i do like you know so it's, it's some you know with uber we all know i don't want to make funny jokes i'll let you do that but you know when there's an issue with uber and you got to call customer service it's like it's it can be very frustrating because you can have an issue where you want to fix something right away but by the time you get someone on the phone and they ask their manager or this, it's like you don't get anywhere. It's very frustrating. Got it. Okay. So easier to, to cut through if you're dealing maybe with a smaller company or yeah, if you're dealing like, with a customer directly, it's easy. Yeah. For the most part, like just as a quick example, if, if there's an order issue as an example and I, and I see where they are, you know, I can, you know, if I have to, or if I feel the need and I can, I can, sort of fix an issue like if, if the driver forgot something or if we forgot something and or or if there was something wrong it's something spilled whatever it is i can maybe send one of my workers quickly to to bring it to them again so you know to, something like that i can do with uber eats it's impossible uh with uber eats directly got it okay um there's so many restaurants you mentioned down here in florida what are your some some of your favorite restaurants even just one or two i'm sure you go check out the competition obviously it's Chabad of Hollandale counted? No, absolutely not. <laughs> they have good food there. Yes, they um, do. So um, it's not so much that I eat at the competition. I like to eat out. I, um, I I wouldn't call myself lazy. I'm very energetic, but I just I'm not. I don't really cook much at home. I mean, now I do a little bit because I have a beautiful wife, but uh, an amazing. That. Yes, I'm still in Shana Rishina. <laughs> yeah, you look terrified. Uh, I am terrified. <laughs> okay. So I did want to ask you, by the way, Mazel Tov, you got married this year. Um, Thank you. So how would you rate um, the institution of marriage with one being um, awful and 10 being a disaster? Where would you put it? Can I give two answers? Yeah, I'm just joking. That's not a fair <laughs> question. I, I know. It's, uh, marriage is... Uh, it's, it's an amazing thing. It's something you have to put in constant effort into it. Um, and you know, it's, it's, uh, it's different than what you think I, as growing up and you're watching movies, it's, it's different, you know, it's, it's real life, it's trust relationship. It's, it's working with your spouse to create, you know, something that can take time sometimes because you're, you're, especially if you're two different people and from two different cultures, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, and usually that's what happens. It's two different people that get married because typically you won't have a guy marry himself or like a woman married himself, it's always going to be, or almost 99% of marriage is just two different people. Could you imagine if a person can marry himself? Imagine that. Yeah, I, I think some people are, are actually married to themselves. <laughs> so, yeah. so what are your favorite restaurants? Just out of curiosity. So like other, like, obviously your own restaurant, but other of than- course, second, Of course, of course. I mean, listen, there's, I know my whole menu. I mean, we're, we, you know, we try to be very uh, unique at what we do and with not necessarily limited, but, you know, so I know everything, what I'm in the mood of and, and what I can just order on the fly. <clears throat> um, but I would say uh, Soho is, a, is generally a good restaurant of mine. Uh, you know, I wish there were honestly, I, I wish there was uh, more places that were that were. Wow, you know, it's it's difficult because I, I I also know how tough it is. It's not easy to be wow on every level. It's just not. 
you know, and uh, but Soho has been one of my places that I generally like the ambiance there. And, uh, you know, I, I like the food there. I go there sometimes. Um, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a shawarma pagiot guy, so I kind of will, you know, uh, try the different shawarma places, Pita Plus and, you know, uh, you know, even like Fuego and Cafe Noir with the whole ambiance of the party scene. Um, you know, I've, I've had, uh, you know, good and so-so experiences there with food wise, but, um, I don't have any, I don't really have many complaints, I guess. Well, oh, I just come to think of it. Bamboo is a new Chinese place. And I have to say that although Chinese is not necessarily the healthiest and it could be oily and greasy, this place, Bamboo, even though it's kind of like, I, I always wonder where they're located, kind of like away from a lot of stuff but they have really authentic Chinese. Like it just tastes really good. Um, and I, I got to give them props because you don't often find that in kosher places. And I don't want, I don't mean that negatively, but you know, it's just, it, it's so authentic. Like I really have I to give wait, them props. I can't wait to check it out. Um, yes. So who, your restaurant is called Bubby's Fish and Chips. Who's Bubby? Uh, Bubby is, is, doesn't do anything. I'm sorry? And how come Zadie doesn't do anything? So I was my it's this is really after my mother's mother. She's Baruch Hashem still with us. I am extremely close with her. Uh, my Zadie, unfortunately, is not with us anymore, but he's with us in spirit and looking down. Um, but my grandmother on my mom's side is my only uh, grand, grandparent alive. And we've been for, even since I was a baby, I've been very, very close with her. She's always believed in me and trusted in me, invested with me in different things I've done and I'm just very, very close with her. And it's not that I, I intended to name it Bubbies. It was honestly, it wasn't so much about her at the moment. It, it was like, I'm opening a fish and chips place. I wanted to just get something catchy. And uh, somebody had, I, like, it just came up somehow, the word Bubby. I was like, you know what? It's catchy and let's just go with it. And then I was actually asking people and I would say 50% of people were saying like, you're crazy. Like that's not a catchy name. But then it's like weird or this, that. And then 50% of them are like, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of like catchy. You know, it's like people are going to be like, huh? Like what? Really? And I was like, you know what? At the, at the end of the day, I think it's, um, it really boils down to how your business succeeds. So if like you do well over the course of time, whether they call bubbies or snares or this or that, it's, it's just a name. And I felt, you know, because of that and because I wanted to have something catchy and just kind of move to the next thing. And I love my Bubby so much. I just, I just took it and went with it. Has your Bubby been to your restaurant? Unfortunately, no, not yet. And I'm okay. dying for her to come. I am dying for her to come. You okay, know, COVID. Time, so. You have to start with inviting her, Schneer. Oh, I have invited her. I offered. <laughs> yeah, to, I, she lives in Brooklyn. I offered to fly in and fly back with her. It's just she's in her late nineties, so it's obviously not so easy for her. Um, I'm hoping she'll come at the end of this year. Uh, I'm hoping. Uh, it's just, again, it's not easy for her, but I really, really want her to see the place. Okay, so now we're, next question is, it's a very timely question, which is we're now in the three weeks. Next week, I think, starts the nine days. I think it's Wednesday or Thursday night, yeah. If I'm not mistaken. That's, that's go time for Bubby's Fish and Chips. Yes. Do you see an uptick in business? And was that the dumbest question ever? I mean, it's generally nine days is busy. Uh, we, you know, obviously the meat places are a little bit less busy. Um, so we generally, every year, this is going to be our, let's say our 
third year of the nine days. It's uh, generally very busy. So we're also stay open later hours. We usually close at seven. So we're going to be open until 9 p.m. during the nine days. And, um, you know, we just we, we have a very unique product that people love and enjoy. And we were able to accommodate a, a crazy rush or not a crazy rush. We just have a good system. So in the nine days generally is just I would say more the dinner. The dinner crowd picks up a little bit. Uh, because you know that that you know the dinner crowd more than anything because like you know breakfast people come anyways they eat eggs and stuff like that and and lunch uh, but I think the dinner crowd is what really picks up generally during the what do you days. see twenty five percent thirty percent thirty five percent probably forty fifty percent I would say wow that's incredible everybody yeah. everybody in the Jewish world is mourning except for you. <laughs> uh, no no comment I plead the I'm just joking. Let me ask you a question. The truth. Do you trash talk Soho during the nine days? Call them up like, yo, 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 I got fish. <laughs> Nobody coming to you now. Well, no, I don't. Uh, I try. Listen, I try not to speak negatively because I know that it's I know it's a very tough business. Um, I'm actually the most easygoing person when I go to other restaurants. Most people like, you know, and understandably so, like even my wife, you know, she if something's wrong, she she'll say something. And I Careful, completely watch it. yourself. Well, she, if something's wrong with you, will she tell you? Yes. <laughs> she, won't yeah, back. She, doesn't, yeah. she doesn't hold back. She goes uh, like extra. But That's like true. for me, I'm just, I like, I, even though like, uh, listen, if something's wrong, I'll say something and I'll be, I could be upset, but I'm so, when I, I just know how tough it is. So I'm so like easy going, I'm like, yeah, don't worry about it. Like, it's okay. Like no big deal. Like it's it's so funny how that happens to me at least when I go to restaurants. I always like now like I feel bad even for the for the workers. Like I like I want to give them like if they're nice, I, I want to give them more because I, I know it's difficult and I'm like, how do they make money? And like, you know, I I, I think of these things. Um, but you mentioned something about bad mouthing. Like uh, I was gonna thinking as a joke, like you know how some of the meat places uh, add a quote unquote fish and chips option. You know, <laughs> so I'm sure. thinking to myself, yeah, you're fish and chips. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. That's and what I think. Nobody wants their fish and chips because uh, you know yeah, it's been there for a while because it's not really what they do. Yeah, it's like like they probably get ready made frozen stuff, thrown in the fryer. I mean, look, you know, I, I get what they're doing. I mean, the, you want to accommodate and you want to offer. Listen, you have to. Uh, it's just like like when COVID came, you have to sort of figure it out, you know. So you're not just gonna, you know. I know some places close. I think I think like Mendel's Backyard Barbecue. I think they close during the nine days or. But uh, you know, I get it. Like you don't, you can't just close. You know, sometimes it, it may be slower, but I. I wouldn't fault somebody for trying to improvise. That's the word I was looking for. Yep. Um, I do know, I, you know, I'm sure there's lots going on during the nine days that you have, like you said, you have extended hours. But I do want to mention that Sharon and I have been negotiating card for a special discount for Shmuel. Define negotiating. What? Define negotiating. Yeah. Well, we were going back and forth, but, uh, you know, if you're still up for it, we said if Absolutely. somebody calls up and they say they listen to the Shmuel Ten Dollars podcast, we're going to give them a free French fries, right? Absolutely, yes. So all you got to do is uh, we're going to let the staff know. Uh, but uh, well, uh, I guess for for the nine days or uh, yeah, what? I think I think we keep it through the nine days for sure. Okay. So for so from whenever the podcast goes live uh, until the nine days, just mention that you heard about Bubbies on the podcast and you will get a free French fries added to. 
whatever you order, if that if that's all you order, that's we'll now still if they're already if they're if they're already ordering fries, will you just send them a cup like cash, like because they they already got the fries? Could it be monopoly money? <laughs> no. And another question is, because this is a promotional item, are you going to give them like a smaller portion of fries, like the Shmuel Tenaz no. vodka, regular no. size? Yeah. See, so yeah, what the. I have to mention, if no one's ever been to Bubby's, or if they have, they'll know, we have the best French fries in the entire South Florida, a 100% guarantee. I can vouch, I can vouch for those home fries. We, we hand cut, from the day we open, we hand cut our fries. We also have a certain type of potato, a certain type of temperature, a certain type of system that we do, and they are awesome. So, you know, again, it's not something, uh, you know, since we also use fresh potatoes, uh, I, I don't undercut, I don't give, you know, listen, obviously if someone comes to the restaurant and wants to try a few fries, that's one thing, but if they order and they're getting a promotional French fries, they get a full portion as if they paid for it. Okay. Wow. Thank you. So. Oh, we're, but you're we're, excluded. You're excluded though. Yeah, of course I'm excluded because I'm the host. So <laughs> now do you have any advice for somebody that is getting into the kosher food business or opening up a kosher restaurant, what advice would you give them? Would it be bad if I started by saying, be careful? No, not at so, all. I would say that there's a couple factors. It's definitely a very, very difficult business for a variety of reasons. Any restaurant, even not kosher, is, is a tough business. I think also catering to the Jewish world is also tough. I mean, you have the kosher stuff, you have to have you always have to have an extra worker that's a mashkia, for example, you know, which is a very sensitive subject even for me, but it, it's just a reality. It's an additional salary that you have to factor in. You also can all, all the food that you're buying for, uh, for the most part is more expensive because it has to be kosher. It has to be, a, especially if you're uh, like mahadrin or glak kosher or, or chalav yisrael. So all that stuff adds a little bit. Um, also, and, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, I mean, Jewish people can sometimes be somewhat difficult. I mean, it's, you know, we, we care, we have a big heart on us, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it can be tough at times. And uh, I, I speak even for myself. So, you know, uh, and, and overall, it's just the food business in general, on, uh, I would say the last part of it. Uh, I know people may argue that I'm not being politically correct here, but I'm a very straight, honest shooter. I believe it's important that um, the, the return on your investment is, is sort of different than, for example, you, you buy a piece of property and you spend a certain amount of money in it. You know you're in it for this price. You make some improvements and you're in it for X, Y, and Z. And then you know that you can sell it and make an X, Y, amount, and Z amount of money. Whereas in a restaurant, it's, there's so many different factors to what your bottom line is. You have food costs, you have payroll, you have waste, you have maintenance, repairs, upkeeps, um, mashkiach. mashkiach, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you have Exterminate, you ex exterminator. Oh, tell me about it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you have cleaning. Uh, you, there, there's just so many things, and that that can float to the high, to the low. Uh, you know, you, you know, your sales. You know, depending on the season. I mean, there's just so much uh, to it that uh, that it's it's not like a cut and dry. It's not a simple. ABC, you know, and, but I think, uh, it's, you know, if you just like anything else, I think if you put your mind to it and you work hard, you can, and, and you're, and you're smart about it and you, you, you adapt. I think adapting is a very important thing because in the food business, you can go one way or the other way very, very quickly. And you have to be able to adapt 
to your surroundings, to your situations, to what people are saying, to what the needs are. Um, but also, I think uh, for me, I, I think branding, branding and, and is important for me. Like, you know, my goal, obviously, is to build this into be a multi-store or something to that effect, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, let's assume the store does well over the years and just, you know, grows. I mean, Baruch Hashem, every year we've been growing. Uh, you know, I'm not where we, we're not where we want to be, but we're Baruch Hashem every year we've been growing. And that's important to me. Uh, that shows obviously something to myself that I see that uh, every year our sales will keep rising. So we're growing. Um, but, uh, you know, like to have multiple places to become like a brand is important to me. That's sort of like the the, the future, the, the opportunity there versus, you know, having one store is nice. It's good. Um, but there's, it's it's lim you're limiting yourself. You know, it's like you have to be there and. You know, I know some some places uh, the owners are have a very successful business and are there for very many many years. That's not necessarily where I see myself. I want to make it uh, like a brand and give me the ability to do other things and to grow and to make make something from it. So, and I think Bubby's is is a unique concept. It's still the, we're the only fish and chips. I believe even non-kosher, there's no unique fish and chips place like what we have. It's very unique. It's a it's a concept that can do well, that can be multiple places. So, um, you know, that's... Forget, do you have a lot of non-Jewish customers or do you have non-Jewish customers? I do. Uh, I think we would say, uh, I would say 20% is not Jewish. And how do you know? Just because they're more polite, they leave tips? <laughs> um look there's some Jews that also do <laughs> yeah, i'm just joking okay i know i know i mean it just just from seeing just from knowing like you have uh you know we have uh you know people that you could tell from out of like english people will want to try us out um you know because we also i'm not sure if i got into it but we use uh we only use fresh fish which is you know we, we get fresh fish uh sometimes when we're busy every day or every a few at least a few times a week. So we use like a fresh cod, which is like a, a traditional fish that's used in England. But we use that. We get it fresh. We have really good. Um, uh, we've established uh, the reputable companies that we've used for many years that I trust the quality that I've seen it, and that's part of what makes our taste so good. That has made us been able to to be open for so long. Well, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing. I have uh, three final questions, rapid fire, okay? Took so much Ooh, of your time. I and, love rapid fire. Thank you so much, by the way, for doing this. I know you're busy. Um, with being in the restaurant business, it's a ton of work, right? You're open six days a week? Well, we're open tech We're open seven days a week. We're open uh, Friday and we're also open Saturday nights, so. Wow, okay, seven days a week. So how do you deal with the stress? I'm, I'm an easygoing person. So I, uh, I just try to, I, you know, obviously look inside, of course, you always have things on your mind and, uh, but you know, it's like, I have to, I think it all from many years ago, it sort of started for started like where you have to, in a sense, internalize it. You have to deal with it in a healthy way, but for the most part, you have to internalize it because you can't present like if I'm, if I'm going through a stressful time, you know, if, I, if it's showing, it affects the customers, affects the staff, you have to keep it together. It's sort of like, it's sort of like you're forced to, but it also, once you're able to handle it help in a healthy way where you could speak to your friends outside of work, or if you need to lay off some steam, you have your friends, you do your, you know, uh, it, it, it's actually helps, helped me in life to become a more easygoing, 
you know, uh, energetic, you know, charismatic person because I'm able to just kind of keep it internal and handle it in a healthy way. Okay. Next question. Um, Does it get super hectic during yeshiva week? Yes. Ever to the point that you have to go off of Uber Eats because there's just too much demand? Years ago, uh, now I kind of know how to manage the system. I know, you know, we delay it, but uh, I, that's not so much of an issue. Uh, years ago, uh, it, you know, th- you know, we were newer, but it's more like um, it's just uh, it's some people that are kind of get in your face a little bit. It's uh, you know, I mean, that, yeah, I, I, I obviously it's it's not that I'm, I'm not. It's all, those, not it's all those it's all those non-Jews coming down for Yeshiva Week. Sure, of course. All those <laughs> non-Jews from New York. From yeah, Brooklyn. sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, listen, it's not that I got for, but I, I listen, I love everybody. I, I just, I think that it's, it's a culture that, that comes down that says, you know what, everybody has to stop and give us everything right now with sort of like a, you know, uh, it's, it's, it, I'll put it like this. I, I used to live in New York. I'm originally from New York. And I remember one time when I was managing a restaurant in Brooklyn where people walked in and, you know, nice people, and they would come in and say, give me a coffee. And I'm from the suburbs, so I try to say please and thank you. And I know they mean well. I'm not judging them. Uh, So I remember one time there was like a line of people waiting to pay, and a guy comes up. He says, give me a coffee. I said, not until you say please. But I said it with like a smile, like with a very lighthearted smile, kind of like the way we speak. And, and he smiled and everybody smiled and it kind of had like that little, you know, effect, lighthearted effect. And like, to me, it's like, I, you know, I get that I can never, uh, I'll put it this way for myself. I can, I'm okay. I can handle it. What I worry about during Yeshiva week is the effect on the staff because they're not, they don't know and they're not accustomed to how people from New York, for example, are. And, you know, while I can handle it, I just, I, I care more than anything about the staff and I don't want them to have a bad impression. I don't want them to think that because that can happen, that they can have a bad impression about uh, people from New York are, you know, not, uh, you know, not nice, but that's not true. They, they are nice. They're great people. They're customers. They're paying, they're helping us pay, but it's just, it's sort of like the, the, when you say the stress, it's like you have to manage that the people coming in, getting what they want, but at the same time, making sure there's like a, an equilibrium in your store that, uh, that doesn't, uh, one doesn't overtake the other. Like the, the people coming in are not overthrowing the workers and the workers are not like losing their cool type of thing. Cause it gets really, it can get very, very hectic and in a good way, just very, uh, just an, an, an astronomical amount of people at once. That's what it is. That's what Yeshiva Week is. Yeah. So okay. hopefully my wife, hopefully my wife doesn't kill me for giving me such an answer. But uh, I, no, I, I think it's just, I think it's just, it's, it's, it's not easy and it's one week and it's business. But you know, I, I always think of the same thing. I, I know I just mentioned it, but it's like I want to create the balance between accommodating everybody and making sure the staff is treated respectfully and understands and sort of. You know, and again, I mean, there's times that where I have to come and step in and 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 take a stand. You know, sometimes you have to like, you know, for example, you can have 30 people waiting in the counter for their food. And I'll say, listen, guys, you ordered, have a seat, please. We'll let you know as soon as it's ready. We're working really hard. Everybody's working hard. You know, as soon as it's out, we give it right away. But sometimes you kind of just 
kind of say, okay, guys, give us a minute, you know, with that okay, wait. sweet Any voice. Fist, has there ever been a fist fight during Yeshiva week or close to it? No, never. Okay. Uh, that's unfortunate because I would love to come and check it out if there was uh, um, anything of I, that nature. I think in today's time, it would have gone viral already. <laughs> okay. Okay. So two last questions. Um, do you have a no shirt, no shoes policy? What do you mean? Like some restaurants would be like, you know, no shirt, no shoes, no service. Or can people just rock into Bubby's Fish without shoes and shirts? Well, what about slippers? Well, no, I'm talking about like barefoot, completely barefoot. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't have a, a, a rule. I don't have a sign that says it, but it's like I would obviously, uh, you know, if somebody walked in without a shirt and without shoes, I, you know, I would obviously, uh, I would smell, I would feel like something's off. You know, uh, we may have had somebody actually, maybe a homeless person that came in once and, you know, we're, we, you know, we're always very nice. Like, well, we understand like it's uncomfortable for, for patrons, but you know, I, I'm very, uh, we, we try to be very giving. So we'll always give somebody, uh, I think one time it happened, I'm recollecting, we gave, I think we always try to give people like that, like a cup of water or something, but I think we had to ask them to leave because they came in, there was people there, then they smelled bad. And, you know, so it's kind of like smelled, I'm just saying is what if somebody just smelled great and even had a shirt, just no shoes. Mm, I don't know. I just, I, I think it's just unbecoming. I, it's just, I don't know. I like, we're not that type of place. You know, we're, we're not, uh, we're not like a fast food, but we're not a high end. We're more of like a casual place. I just, I don't think it's respectful. So I would just, you know, but it's, again, I'm not sitting there with blazing signs, but I don't, uh, I wouldn't feel comfortable with that. Got it. Okay. Last question. Yeah. Cause I've been, I always wanted to speak to somebody with a no shirt, no shoes policy. I've got a million questions <laughs> should, around should we, this. Should we institute it now? No, Make no, no. I, I like what you're doing. It sounds good. <laughs> Last question. Yes. And it's, this is, you don't, again, if you don't feel comfortable answering this and I hate to put you on the spot here, please. What's up with fish bones, small little things that are hidden. I'm not saying that your restaurant has it, but can the science community or the fish community do something that just get, gets rid of bones and fish? Or is that a problem like scientifically? So I don't, I, I could say that it's very, it's a very minimal issue by us. And I think I say that in a good way because we actually only use fresh fish. So we're more, you could say we would be more susceptible uh, to having bones than I'll say a frozen place where it's, you don't really have that, but you know, we, we've been open for, you know, Baruch Hashem now three years. We're very selective about the fish that I use. I'm very consistent about what I use. We're very, we, we have the same process, the way we clean it. We get the big pieces of uh, big fillets of fish. We cut it, we, skin, we take the skin off. We, we have our own sauce that we use and it's a whole procedure. So, but there obviously, since it is fresh fish, I can, I'm not going to sit here and say that we've never had noticed bones. The only fish I would say that we've had, uh, that we've seen, again, we clean it and you know, we obviously tell people that because it's fresh, it's obviously, you know, be careful. You know, it's sort of like the, you know, on those menus, you have those, uh, you know, those those warnings, you know. Um, but there's a fish called Corvina, which we sell a lot of. It's a unique fish. Uh, it's sort of like a meaty white fish. So that fish actually has bones uh, that generally we see often when the fish comes in. But uh, it's, again, it's very rare that, it gets into, you know, that it stays or it's not, it's very, very rare. Um, I've seen it uh, a couple times with salmon. 
I have not seen it with uh, any of the other fish, like the cod that we sell a lot of, the sea bass, uh, tuna steak, um, and halibut. We sell halibut, which is a very unique fish, uh, generally swims in the, off the coast of Alaska. Um, but Corvina, it's, it happens sometimes. So is there a way to guarantee it? Uh, you know, I, I, w- I could say that's probably not a definitive thing, but uh, we, Baruch Hashem, have not had an issue with that, and we only use fresh fish. Got it. I'm just saying is like, has, is there within the fish world, is there like people getting together like a committee to figure out how like we a, could develop a new type of fish that have no bones? Like a secret society? Yeah, something like that. A secret <laughs> fish society. Ooh, I, I can't. I, if I told you, I'd have to kill you. So I don't know. Okay, okay. <laughs> there, there may Please. or may not be a secret society. Okay. Thank you so much for this. Uh, is if very I important. may, I, I want to just, yes. I wanted to say that um, I know that uh, for anybody that's listening, that I don't want anyone to think that I've been, that I think like negatively or that it, it's a negative, the business or my cuss or, you know, think the brief things that I've mentioned. So I want to say that I, I obviously this is, this is my business and my family's business and um, I, I, we love what we do. We're very proud. We, we believe we have a very unique concept. We love our customers. This is what enables us to grow and, and, and keep, uh, keep growing and growing to more locations, God willing. Um, but I, I also feel that it's important to be very uh, straight and very uh, be able to express, you know, uh, thoughts. And that, that doesn't take away from the wonderful customers. We've had so many years of stories and customers of things that we've been involved with good that we're proud of and we you know we, we want more and more people to come so i just wanted to say because i know sometimes when you share thoughts people can say oh this guy maybe is negative or maybe is uh you know uh, you know it thinks it's a tough business it is a tough business but i, I love it and this is why i show up every day i'm i'm, I'm proud to but I also always want to, I feel it's important to be straight and be able to share. So I just wanted to leave on that positive note. Listen, and I think you're very positive in general. Listen, I, I, all I want to do is make jokes and laugh and I want to hear jokes from you. And uh, so I wanted, I wanted to actually see if we could end up with something funny. I don't know if that's possible. But... <laughs> okay. You want to do your best, your best fish face? Uh, ooh, no, nah, I don't know if I could do a fish face. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Guys, if you ever could see Shmuley Tenenhouse's face, wow, that is a fish right there, like in the video Thanks. games. I'm going to stop uh, the recording now. Ooh.